Well, hello, a very good evening, and welcome to the locker room here on Indie Live Regal. This is Michael and Matthew. Hi, Matthew. How's it going? Hi, everyone. I'm all right. Thanks. How is yourself? Yeah, I will. It's been it's been okay week. The weather's been a bit uh, naff over here. It's been a bit wet. Um, I don't know about over over on sunny Ireland. Well, it's sunny at the moment uh, as I look out the window, um, but I've decided that I'm going to change my career path. I've decided that I'm going to run for the President of the United States. Because oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've come to the conclusion that if I, if I run and every state pulls out its ballots and the first vote is me, I've decided that at that point, once the first vote is cast for me, I'm going to claim victory and uh, close off all the rest of the uh, voting. <laughs> so... I've got a chance. Yeah, yeah, you've got a small chance, but I'll keep you. I'll, I'll um, take you to court over this um, and stuff. But yeah, but don't worry. I will. I will. I will vote for you. It's fine. Um, that's one vote. Yeah, yeah, and that's what you're getting. <laughs> so yeah, as so, long as your vote comes out first, we're okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and I'll come out second as well. Um, so coming up on the show tonight, where we'll speak about, um, we'll speak about a lot of things. That's the Pro Fourteen NFL, the football on tonight and Sunday as well. But let's go back to that last night's football. It was a disappointing night, you would say, uh, for both. Well, more more Celtic than Rangers. Um, Rangers went ahead, and the the um, the Benfica came back and finished the game for each. Let's speak about that game first, Matthew, because I was watching that game last night, and I thought Rangers played well, and they they could have won the game by they could have won the game by more, and but in the end, Benfica came back. Yeah, I mean it was an enjoyable game. Um... I, I, from start to finish, I thought it was a, a brilliant encounter. But I suppose the one thing, positively from an individual point of view, last night was that Alfredo Morelos became Rangers' top goal scorer in Europe of all time, um, overtaking Ali McCoist. So, from a personal point of view, for Morelos, congratulations, um, because it it was no mean feat to overtake Ali McCoist, who wasn't a bad goal scorer, you would say, in his time. Yeah, um, for Rangers <laughs> in Europe, so. Uh, he obviously became Rangers' top goal scorer in Europe of all time, so congratulations to him. And as you say, you know Rangers were played quite well. Uh, they led three-one with what thirteen minutes to go. Um, I think there was an OG in in that uh, concaves was it scored an OG, um, and they looked pretty. I think they looked pretty comfortable actually at three-one. Um, however, obviously. Uh, Benfica changed things about. I think the way Benfica were playing, even with the ten men, suited Rangers um, defensively, and I thought uh, they, they looked calm and composed. But Benfica obviously made a few uh, a few substitutions, and that changed the way they played. Um, and because of that, I think they struggled a little bit. And Nunes, who I think causes some of the greatest defenders' problems, but he he was getting in behind Rangers and getting into the spaces and things like that, which is not what was happening before the game, and it caused Rangers problems. And um, eventually, Benfica did come back to equalise um, to make it three three. And I think it was near enough the last the last kick of the ball, but. Um, I thought they played well. Steve Davis played well. Um, Morelos played well. I thought I, I thought everybody did okay. And Benfica, 
isn't exactly a easy place to go. You know, I think Rangers would have bit your hand off for a draw before the game. So yeah. it's maybe not something to kick kick themselves about too much. But yeah, I think the disappointing thing is Benfica were obviously down to ten men for a lot of that that game, and uh, Rangers may well be disappointed. I think to concede two goals uh, quite late on. Um, but yeah, like I said, I think Benfica were playing into Rangers' hands a little bit for a lot of that game, and Nunes sort of changed the way the Benfica played, and that suited Benfica. Obviously, and Rangers aren't used to that sort of play, whether it's getting in behind players or getting in between the gaps of the centre backs and things like that. So that changed the game a little bit, um, and Rangers struggled with that. And it's a le- it's a learning curve for them defensively. Uh, and Gerard will obviously go away and look at that. And to be fair, you know they're doing so well in the group. I think. You know they could have afforded maybe a, a little bit of a lesson last night, um, so everything looks quite positive for them. I don't, I don't think there's a much negatives to to take away from it, other than yeah, I mean, yeah, when you're three one up with a few minutes to go, obviously you're disappointed when it's a draw, but um, overall, when you look back in it, uh, top spot for Gerard's men. It looks like they'll qualify. Uh, I think everyone just needs to take a bit of positivity from it. And like I said, Benfica aren't exactly the worst team you'll play in Europe. So it's a tough place to go and they've come away with a draw. I think they'll take that ultimately and job done. Yeah, the Benfica scored in 91 minutes to equalise in the game. But as I say, Rangers before that, um, you know, I thought Rangers were the better team. And I, I, I was a very... I was a wee bit disappointed by Benfica overall last night, Ian, you know. Um, I mean, they did well to get a point out of the game, but Rangers were like streets ahead of them. Um, but, I mean, good, good show you that suppose a fun old game, and you, you don't I'd, know what's going to happen. Oh, definitely. I think, I mean, like I said, I think Benfica, they probably thought initially that Rangers were there for the taking. I think the, the way they played were were kind of quite physical and trying to stand up to the Rangers backline initially and obviously when you've got Rangers defence playing so well at the moment they were thinking we'll bring it on we'll take that every day of the week and they stood up to nearly everything Benfica threw at them to be perfectly frank and um, I think Rangers were, were quietly quite happy but obviously Benfica made substitutions which changed things a little bit uh, Nunes obviously coming on is one of the best players in Europe striking wise and um, he's he's done damage before and like I said, he was getting in behind the backs of Rangers defenders. Um, he was playing through the gaps a little bit rather than wanting the ball in a physical nature. He was wanting it in behind them uh, or through the gaps of them. And Rangers obviously struggled with that a little bit. And I think both the goals came from you know Benfica trying to get through Rangers, playing through Rangers rather than a physical side of playing the ball up to the striker and hoping they'll do something. So I think Benfica's style of play changed and that troubled Rangers a little bit. And, Gerard will obviously have to look at that and see what he can do defensively um, to try and shore that up a little bit because teams in Europe, quality teams in Europe, will play that way. They won't play the old-style physical sort of side of things. They will play through them and behind them. So uh, Gerard will obviously look at that. But yeah, they've went, I mean, on paper, you know, if you've said to them before the game, you'll go away to Portugal and come away with a draw. Yeah, I think would, the start, yeah they, would, they, would, they would kind of bite your hand off. <laughs> Oh, definitely, and Gerard, and Gerard will be gutted. I mean, don't get me wrong; he's a winner. You know, he's won for Liverpool. He's obviously um, improved Rangers over the last few years. He'd have hoped to have um, come away with a win after being three-one up. But however, they're still top of the group. They still 
look like they're going to qualify. And yeah, they've come away from Lisbon with a with a draw. So um, I think the positives will have to be applied to that and think, well, yeah, it's a decent result. They've still got, obviously, Benfica to come to, to Glasgow. And mm. it looks like still they'll qualify. So from a Scottish point of view, I think it's quite positive. And also it's positive for, for Rangers, I suppose, to think they've went away to Benfica and are disappointed to have only picked up a draw. Fair enough. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, because before that game, everybody was writing, wrote them off, especially away from home. But as as you say, it was it was um, positive result. They they got a point out of the game, and that's in that game because it's back to back games now. And um, I think they've got is it seven points now, so um, they're in a good position uh, to to go on and, and you know finish. Finish first or maybe second, get the least out or out of the group as well. Um, okay, and that and you know Silva. I mean, I was thinking of all the players that maybe had. I mean, when you had not only was Nunes there, but you had. Like, I thought Silva was absolutely unbelievable for Benfica. I mean, he was trying almost to run his way through the Rangers backline as well. So, I mean, you, when you've got players like that up against you. It's not an easy task to defend for 90 minutes, or in this case, even when Benfica are on the front foot, it's very difficult to defend against that. Um, but yeah, I mean, Rangers are I think deep down, it's, it is a sign for Scottish football generally, but definitely individually for Rangers, it's definitely a good sign when yeah, you're going away to Benfica and you're disappointed about picking up a draw. Yeah, I think, no. uh, you know, <laughs> 10 years ago, Rangers fans would have bit your hand off. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, and school. okay, let's come back to Glasgow because it was a game on last night. <laughs> so, was it? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and <clears throat> oh, where do we start with this one? Where are well, you, you say there was a game in Glasgow? I think uh, Prague turned up for the game, Queen's Park. They were playing <laughs> last night. Might as well. Be. No, I mean, I think like overall, from overall, I, I thought Celtic scattered well the first ten minutes, and then after that, they just went worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Before you know, this that's a lot of worse. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> but I've not, I've not got out of the second half yet, uh, <laughs> and it was even more worse than the second half. Um, but yeah, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's one of those games where we, a lot of people are just speechless by it, um, and I think last night when we were chatting, and you know we were chatting probably to a lot of our friends and family and whatnot about the game, there was a lot of people just speechless about it because what really can you say? <laughs> um, last night, I suppose from a from a point of view of just being a Scottish football fan and things, it was just anger. You know, it was anger that Celtic had managed to perform so poorly. Um, I mean, Celtic will lose in Europe. Rangers will lose in Europe, and that's acceptable because you know you're up against some of the top teams um, on in the continent. But it's the nature of the defeat that's worrying in this point of view. Um, Celtic, I think, have struggled all year. They've not got out of second gear. Um, I mean, like you said, you know, they 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 started up. Uh, the Scottish Cup on Sunday, so they were coming into this game a bit confident. And when you saw the team on paper, I thought that's that's the best team Lennon could have picked. Mm. Um, I think when you like you said when the game started, I thought uh, Celtic played quite well. They were dominating possession um, for the first ten fifteen minutes, and you were just thinking it was a matter of when Celtic were going to score because yeah, yeah. I thought Sparta Prague 
they had like what six or seven players out injured from uh, with COVID. Sorry, um, so they had their, their first team was decimated and they looked quite nervous at Celtic Park. Um, they looked almost like lambs to the slaughter, um, and we were all thinking, right, Celtic going to score, and that's going to be the end of it, really. Um, but you know, Edward missed a chance. Lucy passed up a chance uh, when he sort of got on the end of a cross and toe-banged it over the bar. Um, but once once Sparta Prague calmed down, I think you saw the quality of them. And, the, you know, the guy who scored the hat-trick looked top draw. I thought that David Moberg-Carlson was unbelievable. The, the speed of which he plays caused Celtic problems all night. Um, and I just thought Sparta Prague, after they got over their nerves, were by miles the better team and really skilled. Celtic mm-hmm. and, and how to play a European game, especially away from home. Yeah, I mean, you would think that if you were a Celtic fan, <coughs> fan after the real disappointing result, but there you go, still got a point out that game. Celtic played well, especially in, in the first half. And then they went to Hamden on Sunday, beat Aberdeen. Um, we should say Celtic's in another final. Um, and they, they played well, and we, we all thought, well, Celtic's about to turn the corner. And then when you see that last night, you're like, ah, well, maybe not. <laughs> no, know? no. I mean, I think Celtic, when they play, they can get by. I mean, I, I mean, this sounds bad from a Scottish point of view, but when you're playing Scottish teams generally, I think Celtic have enough to get by. But when you're playing players who are top quality, especially in Europe, whether they're first team players are on Prague's cases, it might have been their third team that they had out last night. Mm. Um, teams can open you up, can play to their strengths and counter-attack at pace. Um, and, you know, Lennon, I think when they played Rangers, you know, he described he and his team had received as hysterical. Um, but like he should be bracing himself for absolute trouble this time because Sparta were the weakest link in Group H. Not only were they the weakest link, but they had a team, obviously, like I said, who were decimated. And you know, Celtic never struggled or struggled to really lift themselves after the first 10, 15 minutes. And now it looks like they're out of Europe. Yeah, uh, they've got a visit to Motherwell on Sunday, and then a visit to Hibs uh, before they play Sparta Prague again. Um, I think Lennon, you know is in deep trouble you know so many are questioning if he's going to be able to deal with the 10 in a row but I think you know a team like Celtic shouldn't just be worrying about 10 in a row a team like Celtic should be concentrating on Europe too and showing that they're not just one of the best in Scotland but one of the best in Europe Um, Celtic shouldn't be doing what Celtic are doing they've won one in the last six games Mm. They've lost what the last three at Celtic Park. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. If you're any manager, you're in trouble. Yeah, and Giga here right the last night that the 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 Sparker Prague player scored a hat click. The last player to score a hat click was Eric Black back in 1983. Yeah, I was one and, years old. Yeah, good. Well, just to make me feel old, Matthew, I was just born back then. <laughs> So, you know, that that gives you the age away that Matthew's a bit older than me. Um, so. Would you want to feel even older too? I mean, I think that was the first time Celtic have lost three successive home games uh, in 30-odd years. Mm. 
So it's just, I mean, yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, they Celtic played quite well, not quite poor, but well, well, that's all we can say for the regular, right? But (laughs) I mean, (laughs) when when Griffith scored, um, then it boosted Celtic's confidence. The fat, unfit Griffiths. Yeah. (laughs) And (laughs) it it boosted Celtic's confidence for about 10 minutes. And then by the time that happened, the the ball went up the other end of the park and it was 3 1. And then, okay, the the game finished 4 1. But I mean, I'm not counting the fourth goal because it was a third goal, it was a killer. I mean, do you know what? I mean, Neil Lennon. I mean, he's obviously a man who should know better because he's played in the Premier League with Leicester City, which is quite a high standard of football. He's played in European football, obviously, for Leicester. Then he's moved on to Celtic, played at the highest level in Celtic, whether it's European Cup, uh, UEFA Cup finals, or, you know, playing, obviously, challenging Rangers for league titles and trebles and whatnot. So he's played at a really... And he's managed in the Champions League. So he's done everything at the high level. Now, in the last... Since he's came back... This, what happened last night was almost we've seen it all before we're talking about the same stuff we've talked about constantly you know you, you had Copenhagen you've had Cluj you've had AC Milan you've had uh, Sparta Prague now Sparta Prague sorry Sparta Prague's reserve team last night and these are we're still having the same debates about how Celtic are playing what team they're playing mm. uh, what formations are playing not only just how formations but the style of play and how they're setting themselves up Mm-hmm. And, and it's just not working you know we're losing Celtic are losing games against teams that they're not the top in Europe they're not the old Manchester United they're not the old AC Milan that Strachan's teams were beating we're, Celtic are losing or we're seeing Celtic losing to teams who are round about Celtic's level if not even below Celtic's level mm-hmm. and that suggests mm-hmm. to me there's a problem uh, and Lennon isn't learning from all of the mistakes that are getting made in the previous games, like I said, Copenhagen, Cluj, AC Milan last time, everything, you know, it's a, it, he's just not learning the mistakes. But also, if you're playing in Europe and you're playing a team who aren't exactly uh, great shakes, but they've got a lot of pace up front, there was points in that game, you know, where not only did you have the top four up there, Edward, Elanusi, Christie and Rogic, but you also had McGregor up there, you had... Um, Frimpong on the right, you had Laxal on the left. Now, I'm not criticising these guys because Laxal especially was one of the best players in the park. But if you've got a defence that consists of one player sitting back in, like Brown and you've got a central midfielder playing as a centre-back and beat on and you've got Duffy, how are these three going to deal with three attacking players at the speed of, Co- uh, of Prague coming forward when everybody else is up the park? Mm-hmm. I just don't mm-hmm. see how it's done. I think it's complete tactical naivety. Mm. Um, and Duffy Duffy will get a lot of slack, stick for what's happened and he never had a good game so I'm not going to pretend he didn't but if he's used to playing in teams that play maybe a back four and the back four sit as a back four he's not used to playing in a back four where actually it's a back two because the full backs are gone <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah do you know what I mean so <clears throat> I mean as I always say Matthew when Hibs and St Johnson is in the qualifying games and they get beat off of a, a lesser team I would say it's embarrassing for Scottish football but I think after watching that game last night and the way Celtic got beat it was embarrassing 
if you were a Celtic fan and everybody associated with the club because it was just, uh, as you say, half of that team was made up of young boys because most of them out with coronavirus and, and all that. And they still, get, they, they still get get beat. Well, I say beat, but they got well well beat by, by, by them, you know. That team didn't have to work hard for that last night. Celtic gave them it, you know. They did what they were probably told by their coach to do. And they went out and played the way they were told to play. I don't think Celtic went out there and did what Neil Lennon told them to do. Or what I think's happened. Neil Lennon's not really told them or coached them to do anything. And they've just been... It looked like a side who went out and were just basically playing for themselves and mm. doing what they wanted. Mm. And... You know, McGregor kind of hinted at it after the game when he, I don't know if he was having maybe a pop at Neil Lennon or whether he's having a pop at the players or, or what he was saying, but he was just saying, you know, it's unacceptable. You can't have half the team or over half the team wanting to be up in the park scoring goals and leaving the rest at the back to try mm. and deal with it. And I, I don't know if that was a pop at Lennon, but it seemed that way. That's how I mm. took it because that it, it just seemed to be a complete mess. But... Not only did that team not know how to play together and were leaving gaps at the back, but when you think about the Celtic team, and it started off with Bain, I thought even though he made some good saves, that was Celtic's third-choice goalkeeper last season, playing as our number one choice. Then we had someone like Beaton, who was wanting to possibly leave the club, playing at the back. Then up top, you had Edward, who clearly doesn't want to be there or doesn't look interested. Christie, who possibly wants to leave and could leave in January. Rogic, who Lennon mm. was possibly wanting to punt out the door in August, September time. And Ellen Russi, who has never performed consistently. And that's your top four. Um, it's just not It's not good enough. It's not acceptable. But more importantly than anything, that team just didn't look interested. And if, you know, I can maybe accept defeats if, if teams are, um, you know, just better. But when you've got a Celtic side to clearly just don't look interested, it's to be honest, it's disgusting. It's a disgusting performance, and it's not acceptable. And then afterwards, you know, Ellen Lucy comes off, and you know he's on his mobile phone mm-hmm. as if he couldn't care less. You know, I mean, I mean, it it just doesn't. I mean, yeah, he said he was checking the Milan score. I right. <laughs> yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he he he's clearly just not bothered really what's going on, and his performances on the pitch show that. Because if he was interested, he'd be doing what he can do. We can we count? Me doesn't. He doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, you can. Exactly. It's, oh, I'll let you go on and my throat's sore. I'm ready. Um, <laughs> and then we, we go we go on to the the league games. Obviously, there's games tonight. <clears throat> we'll come back to the Celtic game, Rangers game in a minute. But let's look at Celtic game. <laughs> <laughs> Let's look at uh, tonight's games. Uh, game of the night, Aberdeen, Hibs, uh, Ross County, Livingston, St. Johnson, Kamalk, and St. Mirren, Dundee, and Ikeek. But Aberdeen and Hibs, that looks a very interesting game, that. Well, I think, you know, both of the teams, I think, will be disappointed, to say the least. I think after, you know, Saturday and Sunday in the Scottish Cup semi-finals, you know, Aberdeen maybe less so because uh, they were obviously playing Celtic, so maybe they weren't expected to win. But I think on the other flip side of that, after the game at Pataudry, I thought maybe Derek McInnes and his team maybe thought they had a chance. So, and the second half showed that, you know, they can play against 
uh, a side like Celtic can compete quite well. So they they will be deep down disappointed, and they're coming into this game, I think, to try and um, cement third place in the league or overtake Hibs and try and cement that third place in the league. And they've got a chance to do that at Pitcaudry, uh, which is always a tough place to go. Uh, but, you know, Derek McInnes has had these injury problems and um, I think they're trying to extend Marley Watkins' loan spell because he's been ruled out now for up to 10 weeks. So I think if he's ruled out for 10 weeks, that really would mean that he's going back to Bristol City in January without having played another game. But I think Derek McInnes is trying to extend that loan spell. Uh, Johnny Hayes is also still injured. He looks like he'll be out for for three weeks so while that injury is a bit better <clears throat> um, he's still going to be out for this game against Hibs so you know they host the game really trying to um, like I said bounce back from the weekend and trying to get into that winning routine again and trying to overtake Hibs into third place but you know Hibs, Hibs have their own uh, issues and they obviously are trying to bounce back from a really disappointing result against Hearts um, a bit like Celtic you know I think Hearts obviously came to Hamden and it was their cup final and, you know, certain Hearts friends of mine, and they won't mind me saying, you know, said it was their cup final and basically admitted it. And Hearts did act that way, you know, they came back early into pre-season training, they played a few bounce matches and they were treating it like a cup final and Hibs just never really uh, got up to their top gear. Um, So they'll obviously be disappointed and hurting and... Uh, they'll be coming into that trying to rectify that but you know Hibs are currently only two points behind Celtic and uh, yeah they're a point above Aberdeen but they're two points behind Celtic so there's a chance for them to move into a uh, second position um, so Hibs, Hibs really have uh, something to fight for this year now, and this is a really important away game and I think you know if Hibs can win this I think it will show Hibs are definitely up there in and third place material, and they may well challenge Celtic, who are having a complete nightmare. Um, but I, I would like to say that even though you know the semi final defeat was a disappointment, and I don't think Hibs uh, clouded themselves or showed themselves in any great glory, I think afterwards, you know, we found out that you know Kevin Nisbet, even though he missed the penalty and he wasn't at his best, uh, we found out afterwards that he's, his dad had died um, a, a couple of days before. Um, that result, I think it was unfortunately it was terminal liver cancer. So, you know, my heart goes out to Nisbet and the rest of the Nisbet family. To be honest, and you know, it, it shows the strength of the guy that he managed to play in the game full stop. And when, um, when you're when you're talking about that, uh, the heart player died as well during the game as well. You know. Yeah, I mean that was unfortunate as well. My heart goes out to his family as well because he's only what he was only thirty six years old. Yeah, thirty six. Yeah. Uh, um, Morkin, Morkin, uh, neuron disease. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> which is a sickening illness, and yeah. you know, so there was quite a lot of sadness around that game at the weekend, and um, you know, the fact that you know, going back to Kevin Nisbet, you know, the fact he played was unbelievable. I think his dad had said that he wanted him to play, but it's still tough in those circumstances. And my heart felt for him when you look back at it and think, God, he missed that penalty as well. Um, you know, so his week was just a disaster. Um, so we feel for him, and yeah, um, you know, Zaliukis as well. I think it's you know he he did well at uh, Rangers. He did well at uh, was it Leeds United? He went to Leeds United as well. Yeah, yeah, and then obviously he's best known for Hearts, and I was at the game that he's probably best known for. You know, the five-one for Hearts winning the Scottish Cup against Hibs. Um, 
in 2012, was it my memory? I've, I've, I've stricken that game from my memory, to be perfectly honest with you. But, mm. uh, you, you know, I think that was one of his crowning moments and, and fair play to him. And, you know, I think when you look back in his life and his career, you do feel quite privileged that you've had that moment to spend with people who, he was a good player. He was a great captain. He seemed like a good guy. And, yeah, 36 is no age to go. So it mm. was a, a, there was a lot of bad news around that Scottish Cup final. And it just shows really that even though we're talking about sport and sport can anger you at times, um, it just really shows that deep down it is what it is. It's a game of football and, you know, life's more important than that. And mm. it's, it's sad for these guys. <clears throat> okay, move, moving on to Sunday. Um, we've, <clears throat> we've kind of touched upon... Uh, Celtic and Rangers, but um, just mentioning Rangers is at home to Hamilton, but the two Rangers players um, was caught having a house party this week, Matthew. Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, I think Rangers probably are looking, they're literally coming into this home game against Hamilton. They've, they've had their issues with COVID this week and, you know, they've come away um, with a decent result against uh, Benfica. I think they'll probably go on and beat Hamilton deep down. But, you know, these two players um, having issues with COVID again is just, frankly, disgraceful. I mean, Aberdeen players were caught doing this and uh, obviously Bongoli were caught doing this at the beginning of the sort of season. Um, and both, all of them were rightly criticised. And, you know, Bongoli ultimately kind of lost his Celtic career over it. I thought I thought the press rightly hammered him and I thought that basically his career now is over and he's obviously moved to Turkey. But these Rangers players seem to be getting off quite lightly with it. These guys should also be hammered because they know the score. They know they're in the middle of a pandemic. Um, to, to be honest, what they've done, they've put lives at risk, whether it's their friends, whether it's their family or whether ultimately it's their teammates. And it's just disgusting, stupid and selfish. And they, they deserve everything they get to them. But, you know, like I said, the, the reaction from the Scottish government and the reaction from the press has been notably different from when it happened to the Aberdeen players in Bolongoli. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so they've got to isolate now for 14 days. So I think they'll miss the next home, uh, the league game, after the international, oh, no, I think it'll be okay to play um, after the international um, international break when they when Rangers play another home game at Ibrox against Aberdeen. Um, so there you go. Um, and the I mean, uh, do you know what? Yeah. I, mean, I know that they are. Sorry, I mean, I know that they are not Rangers first in the first eleven, and maybe, maybe not even in the squad. But you know that their actions could bring Rangers' season to a bit of a crash and halt, the same way Bolingoli had for Celtic. Um, so deep down, you know, I think it's Rangers will be pretty angry with them. But like I said, I think the reaction with Bolingoli was justified. But these two seem to be getting let off light, you know, and lads will be lads sort of attitude. Um, yeah. The double standards is quite shocking. Yeah, um, and also um, we don't really need to touch upon this game, but the 12 o'clock game on Sunday, high noon, or whatever you want to call it, Motherwell against Celtic at the park. That's the only uh, televised game this week. Um, I mean, it might be uh, high noon for, for Lennon. <laughs> if it, I mean, yeah. Any, any slip-ups, any slip-ups. Um, and he, I think ultimately he's had it. I mean, the pressure... 
the pressure will be on to such an extent that this game on Sunday, I think, for Celtic and Lennon will not be enjoyable. Uh, even if they won on Thursday or yesterday, uh, it's a must-win game for Celtic. Can you imagine the pressure right now at Lennox Town? Yeah, no. <laughs> no. Um, so, have you got an opinion about this or anything else we've been speaking about on the show? Email us at the locker room in the live at gmail.com. That's locker room in the live at gmail.com. We must move on now um, to speak about the SFA has been fined this week, Matthew. Well, the SFA are. Struggling really. I mean, I think we've touched on COVID. Um, the Scottish FA is facing a shortfall of £4.5 million. And I think the SFA have basically said that um, there, there could be redundancies because of it. So the Chief Executive Ian Maxwell has told staff uh, that the governing body is considering reconstruction in an attempt to sort of future proof the SFA's funds. Uh, obviously, Scotland's four Hamden matches recently would have been a sort of treasure trove of money <laughs> coming in, and obviously the Scottish Cup semi-finals were played as well. So the you know the last six games ultimately have been played at Hamden with no fans coming in, and the SFA are obviously showing that they're not immune to what's been going on with COVID, and a four point five million shortfall is a big big amount, and it's sad to see that there could be restructuring at the SFA. And we don't know who's going to leave, whether that's going to be just ad, like sort of admin staff. But ultimately as well, not only could sadly admin staff lose their job, it could go all the way up to you know coaching staff or working with the kids or coaching with the kids or anything like that. So we don't know who's going to possibly be losing their jobs because of this. But you know it could affect not just the administration of Scottish football, but it could affect ultimately the quality of uh, what's coming through the ranks from children all the way up to adults. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the, 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 yeah, I mean, it just so happens that, you know, it's affecting every industry, football, okay, this is a sport programme, but it's affecting that and affecting other businesses as well, kind of like, and the private sector and the charitable sector as well. So that's one story that we could keep eyeing for, for the next couple of weeks because I don't, I don't think it's going to go away. No, it's. Um, I mean, it's worrying. I mean, I can see obviously the men's game. I think, uh, and the top level, the women's game are almost uh, bullet or bulletproof in the sense that I don't think they'll touch them. But then that's the worrying thing, you know. Obviously, coaches and people who set up coaches. Oh, we seem to have lost Mafia there. Um, we'll hopefully get back to him very soon. You're listening to Indie Live Radio on a Friday night. If you want to email us, you can do so at lockerroomindivive at gmail.com or you can follow us on Facebook as well. And then like dark rain. 